Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. Processes and tools dominate today's Agile discussions, but we are devoted to the individuals and interactions that make it work. From the beginner to the veteran practitioner, we have something for you. Welcome to Agile for Humans. All right, welcome to this week's episode of Agile for Humans. I'm your host, Ryan Ripley. Joining me is a massive crowd of people. So we are, we are at the Agile Coaching Summit in Chicago, hosted at Uptake. And this is a session during one of the open space spots where I decided to let's just record. And so I don't have a topic since it's open space. I'm not showing up with any preconceived notions. We've had a lot of great discussion. So what I'm curious about is who is going to get us going, and when you speak, please say your name so that I can remember to put you in the show notes, and uh, we'll make sure we get your Twitter uh, handle, your website, all those things captured. So who's up? I'm Kat Doherty, and um, I was wondering about sort of how you came into the personal branding you have around your Agile journey and how you how you move your voice forward, so like the blogging and the no estimates and also your shirt size. <laughs> All right. So the question is really how do you get started? Um, how, how did you, you push even it forward? select your personal brand or what it yeah. was you were going to be the guy who knows this about Agile? Like how did you even find that and then how did you deliver it? You know, I wish there was like this this great um, like heroic starting story, like the the origin story, like they have in the comic books. You know, Spider Man was bit by a spider and became a hero or whatever. But it was all a, a lot of it was random and accidental. Um, so this podcast, for instance, started because uh, Don Gray, Esther Derby, Aaron Copel, a few of us would get together every once in a while. We had a coaching group, and we'd just get on Skype and talk. Right. So sometimes coaches or or scrum masters, we need therapy. Things are going on and we just need to vent, we need someone to talk to, we need a support group. And that's what this was. 
And uh, one day Don Gray said, hey, Ryan, you should record this and publish it. People might like it. And I'm like, you're crazy. We're just on here talking and, and no big deal. And But we, did, we decided to publish it. Um, the hardest part was naming it. It's like, what do you call an Agile podcast? Because, you know, this Agile life is already out there, so John Sextro does that. Um, the Metacast was a great name, but Bob Galen and Josh Anderson have that. Um, you know, there's already some great names taken. You know, Joe Krebs out of New York has Agile.fm. Like, that's what we looked at first. And then finally we said, well, what's going on in the Agile community right now? So there's a lot of tools, and there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of JIRA, a lot of rally talk going on. But it's a human, it's a human thing, right? It's a, the manifesto is a is an exploration of making humans, people, amazing, and helping to. It's all about empowerment. It's all those things that those those soft things that we talk about sometimes. So agile is really for human beings, and so we show, we shortened it a bit. We said, how about just agile for humans as a way to counterbalance the whole tool trend, and so that stuck. Uh, the first time we published it, you know, I thought ten people would, my, you know, maybe my mom would download it out of pity, right? But uh, she didn't, by the way. She does not listen. Um, but yeah, she's yeah, no, it's very supportive, but uh, just not her thing, right? But um, you know, the first episode went out, and instantly we had three hundred people download it. I thought, wow, this was unexpected. And so then Don started tweeting it out. And Aaron started tweeting it out, um, and suddenly we, the numbers just, they still are growing. How long uh, ago? Two years. So it's been a two-year journey of figuring out how to do all this. Um, we've had some really wonderful guests, you know, when you can pull people like Esther Derby onto the show, and then she st- has a positive experience, and she starts talking about it. That's very helpful. You know, we, uh, we've talked to Woody Zool, Jerry Weinberg. I mean, pretty much the, the A-list of our community has come on at some point or another, with a few exceptions that we're working on. Um, and they just say really great things. And so the, my brand, like you asked what, what my approach was, you know, that's how the podcast popped up. I try to minimize my role on the podcast. So I edit, so I'll ask a lot of questions, we'll have a lot of conversation, but then I edit myself out of it. So my goal, or my personal why of the podcast is that I love my friends and I want them to be wildly successful. So what that means is that I minimize myself out of it. And so what happens is it's a very excellent um, experience for the guests and it just it's a wonderful conversation that I think it resonates with people because it's just people getting on there and talking. There's not one person trying to be famous. There's not one person trying to be overpowering. It's just a bunch of peers and friends and people who truly... Um, enjoy each other's company, having a conversation. And so that's what we've tried to keep it at, and that's how we've defined that brand. Does that answer it? With the blogging, um, I I think with any blogger, you go to WordPress, you set up a site, and the hardest part is um, getting over that inner critic, like, I don't have anything interesting to say, and so you type. But it's like, no, some people read this, and, um, you know, you just, for... The biggest myth, so let me, let me tackle it this way. Everyone's like, oh, you have a ton of downloads, you have a ton of readership, you know, it just happened overnight. And the answer is no. So the podcast is almost three years old, and it's in its third year where the download numbers have really gotten interesting, right? So it's three years of, you know, slugging through, and it's hard to actually put together an hour-long episode, edit it, show notes, scheduling... There's probably five to six hours just in, in prep 
and execution, and then probably another hour in editing. So you're, you're talking about five, six, seven, eight hours a week on a side thing that's a hobby. And so that's why most podcasts end after seven episodes. Uh, statistically, they all die at seven because it's a lot of work. And so uh, we've been working very hard at this for a number of years. From an Agilist perspective, this has been a 15-year journey where I feel like finally after 15 years, I'm starting to understand what I'm doing, but I still don't feel like I'm there. Uh, from a blogging perspective, I've been a writer since I was 10 years old, published in various things since a very young age. But it's taken me the better part of 25 years to feel confident as a writer. So people say, oh, you have downloads. I started with no downloads. I started with no readers, and it's been basically, uh, depending on how you want to measure it, 20 years of, of getting to where I'm at today. So you have a podcast, and you have a blog, and what other, do you have any other? I mean, yes. No estimates thing is that I've seen your speaking, so right. other than those three mechanisms. The speaking was interesting, too. So uh, that's been a, a three- or four-year journey where uh, Diane Zajac convinced me to submit a talk. So I, I didn't, I'm very critical, maybe I'm sharing too much, but I have a very, my critic is a jerk. He's a very horrible person in my mind. I haven't named him yet. Maybe I should. But, we should um, have a naming ceremony. We should. But um, I have a very harsh critic in my mind. And so I'm not always uh, willing to go out there. And I wasn't willing to do that. And it took a lot of coaching from Diane to basically say, hey, you're a good presenter. You have interesting angles on things. Let's go talk. And let's put something together. And so she really drug that out of me. And she basically said, get up on a stage and talk. So she helped me get my first gig uh, as a speaker. And then I went everywhere I could. So I went to the Fort Wayne Community School System for free on my lunch break one day uh, while I was working in Fort Wayne and said, hey, do you guys want to learn something about Agile? And I gave a talk to them. Anyone who would let me talk for 45 minutes, I went to. It did, and I was probably tens of thousands of dollars out of pocket you know, the first couple years. So it was an investment in myself. And then finally, you know, this year has been amazing. So normally I would submit to, to I would submit to 10 conferences, two or three would pick me up. So I would go to two or three conferences, speak at them a year, spend a few thousand dollars out of my pocket to have that opportunity. Uh, this is the first year where I submitted to 10 and I got accepted. But this has been the year where, it, and again, it's after many, many, many years of working on you know, I've, I've paid for public speaking uh, coaching. I've paid for these things so that I can be better at presenting. And I still have a long way to go, especially when I watch some of the YouTube videos that they post. It's like, oh, this is bad. But um, there's that critic again. But um, it's just been a very long process and a lot of investment in myself. And this has been the year where some of that's starting to take shape. So people see this year and they're like, oh, wow, what? how did you do it? And I'm like, I don't know. It's been 20 almost 25 years of, in some cases, preparing for this, so. Yeah. Um, Overnight success takes 10 years to do. Absolutely. There's no shortcuts. No. So does that help? Patience, it sounds like. Yeah, and I've had great uh, mentors, friends, and help. So I wouldn't be um, speaking at conferences today without Diane Zajek. I wouldn't be writing uh, books and that today without uh, my parents who were very, uh, very instrumental in having an interest in a writing habit and making sure that I did that. Would not have a podcast today without you know, Don Gray, you know, Joe, Esther, Faye, you know, who else has been on? I, but there's been a number of people that have just kept that going. There are weeks where I don't want to do it. 
but then I get a ping from Joe and we're going to talk about the responsibility process, a topic we love. And we had a great show and that brought a lot of people to, to that, that process. It improves lives. Um, and so that's been great. The other part of it, it's also very humbling. So when you go to a conference, someone will say, hey, I listened to your show and it changed the way I coach my team. Um, and you just hear that and you're like, I don't even know how to respond to that. Right. Um, I'm not prepared for that yet, right? Um, but yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll stop there. I'll quit rambling. But the, the, does that help? Yeah, I think so. Cool. Hey, everybody. Ryan Ripley here. Just wanted to take a quick break to bring you a message about Agile Dev East, a great conference coming up in Orlando, uh, November 5th through the 10th. I'll be there speaking every day of the conference. Uh, looking forward to seeing as many of you there as possible. Uh, here's that message, and then we'll get back to the Agile Coaching Summit proceedings uh, from uh, earlier this year. Agile Dev East is covering the latest Agile methods, technologies, tools, and leadership principles in Orlando, Florida, November 5th through the 10th. Choose from over 100 learning opportunities to learn from industry leaders, find solutions to your challenges, network with industry peers, develop and strengthen skills, supercharge knowledge, and re-energize career growth. Explore topics including Agile and Lean Development Principles and Practices, Scaled Agile Development, Agile Teams and Leadership, Mature Agile Teams, Personal Development, and more. Agile for Humans listeners use the code AgileDev to receive up to $200 off any registration package over $800. Visit well.tc forward slash agile for more information. Yeah. Ryan Wonder. Um, you got to say your name. Sorry, Dave Sabo. Hey, Dave. I, I'd love to hear your story and other stories about what I see in the Agile community a lot is people very willing to help others, mentor others, yeah. even big names like you mentioned. So I'd love to hear your story on how you connected with those people and everyone else, how they found mentors or how they connected with people and how they helped. Because I think that's a big yeah. part of the Agile community. So I'll put their phone numbers in the show notes. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> There's some really upset people right now. Um, I asked, right? So I went to a, a coach camp in Indianapolis. It was at 2015? 14. 14. Um, and Don and Esther and I think Diana Larson were sitting at a table. And then for some reason, I was motivated to just sit down and say hi. And no one looked at my name tag. They didn't see if they should be talking to me. They just started talking to me. And it was a really inspiring experience. So I, I try to, to, to model that behavior. I don't look at name tags, I just say hi. Um, but it was just, it's a very inviting community. You know, Julie and I, we've met uh, today, or yesterday, um, and she's already, I mean, we're already talking about scrum.org stuff, right? And she's already offered, hey, if you ever need help, just call me. It's like, well, we just met, but we already feel like we're kindred spirits and bonded friends, and it's wonderful. You know, Bex, we've, we've seen each other at conferences, we always get a big hug. I mean, it's just, everyone here, it's just, it's a cherished uh, relationship, a lot of friends, and it's just, that's how the community works, right? I mean, it's, all I did was ask, and people were very, very gracious to spend time with me, um, and they continue to do that. Does anyone else have, uh, Julie? I, yeah, Julie Bellamo, yes and. I think that the Agile community as a whole lives in the era of abundance. That there's enough work for everybody, that we live in the world of possibilities. And when I get down on myself, that's why I, I come to my community 
to get my verb back because I can't do it by myself. And that, that's what I've witnessed here. And in your podcast, I love the, um, the air of inclusion, the air of curiosity, the air of knowledge sharing. And I think that that embodies everything that we try to do when we come together. Yes, and Thank you. Hey, Ryan. Hey, David. I'm David. And uh, I don't have a blog or a Twitter because I favor face-to-face and interactions. So this is where I want to go with uh, my question. Um, you're doing Agile for Human. In your experience and in your past uh, broadcast, um, what have you seen where we forget we're working with human and we're obsessed with Agile? So I think sometimes we get in a rat's nest type of discussion, especially around frameworks and methodologies and um, purity tests, right? So we start talking about my Agile is better than your Agile kind yes. of discussions. Yes. And uh, we start talking about failure modes and we forget that people don't fail the systems they're into or the systems that are impacting them fail. Uh, and I think that's a that can be a struggle because it's very easy to fall into that conversation of the negative or of the failures or all those things. So I think uh, that's probably an area where we've, we've kind of slipped away from that human element. What's nice though is that there's usually someone on the show that pulls it right back and it's not always me, right? I'm, I'm very good at falling into those, those self-deprecating, those, those defeatist cycles. Like I fall out of responsibility very easily. Right to use the the Christopher Avery terminology, I fall below that line quickly. Um, I'm getting better at catching that and getting us back up to a positive space of responsibility and power. I think you know the the root of your question and why it's important to me is that when we're acting out in that type of conversation, we lose all of our power. It's it's management's fault. It's someone else's fault. Someone is doing things to us, and we lose threat of the fact that we are powerful. And when we are acting out of responsibility, uh, we are powerful people. And so I, that, for me, is, is where we go with it. It's just we slip under that line. But what's great about this community in general, we're very good at getting back above it. Hey, Ray. Ray Obadowski. <clears throat> if I were the CEO of a company and I approached you or the community and I said, hey, I've heard great things about Agile or... Uh, what is Agile? I'm really excited about it. And I just point blank asked you, what can it do for me? What would you say? So, what can Agile do? Like, the what's the elevator pitch to a CEO? Exactly. So, I've thought a lot about this, especially this past week uh, with my time at Scrum.org. And I've... Um, visiting them and, and getting to really get immersed in, in a lot of the, the the framework side of things... I think what's in it for the CEO is that we're in, we are enabling small decisions frequently, right? So we are, we are making small bets, small decisions, and we are enabling the delivery of value sooner, right? And we're giving this CEO, uh, we're giving her options. So now you have this new increment of valuable, releasable software. What do you want to do next? Does it still make sense according to the market to continue? Does it make sense from an internal perspective to continue? Or is there something more valuable we can shift to now because we've delivered enough? I think it's the empowerment aspect, especially from the Scrum uh, framework, which is my current uh, deep dive focus. It's just that empowerment to make uh, these decisions sooner. So it's that shorter feedback loop and just having more knowledge in place. It's that validated learning and then that delivery of value. 
I think are the two things that I would really center on. Good answer. Thanks. Did I pass the, the PSN? Did I get it? <laughs> Got it. Hi. Hi, I'm Guy Christian. My question to you is like, you know, obviously to be a coach, you somewhere along your journey, you have to do a lot of introspection. Yeah. So how do you think it has changed you as a human being in your personal life? Yeah, so how has coaching... Merman, keep it down! <laughs> So how is coaching? <laughs> what? Herman's voice has changed. <laughs> so how has coaching changed me as a human being? So it's um it's forced me to take so first of all the the title of coach introspection has led me to question that about myself, right? So I don't necessarily believe anymore that I'm an agile coach. I'm actually starting to believe that I'm a very proud scrum master. And I'm, and I'm actually probably going to take Agile Coach off of my, my LinkedIn profile when I get home tonight because I, I just want to be a Scrum Master. I believe in that framework and I don't need to be anything bigger than that. Um, and so that's been a, a recent introspective kind of thing for me. Um, the other thing there, it's forced me to take a very hard look at myself because I believe the only way to improve as a Scrum Master or if you are an Agile Coach is to improve yourself first. I can't fix people, right? And that was a lesson that I kept running my head into the wall on for, for many, many years, you know? And I think my wife would agree that she's had that, she can't fix me, right? And, and, it, and, it, and it took those kind of really deep conversations between us. So my wife has actually changed, changed me as well, where uh, between agile and the thinking and having to be introspective and having a great uh, spouse and support, I think all that's come together to make me want to be a better person and so it starts with that and just the acknowledgement that I wasn't a great person in my 20s. You know, the people who knew me then would say, no, this is a totally new Ryan. Um, but I think a lot of it has come to, I needed to learn responsibility, right? So I really am grateful to Christopher Avery and his work um, because I needed to improve myself. I was in some very bad cycles of thinking where I was defeating myself over and over and over. I was acting out of obligation. I'm very, I live very well and comfortably in obligation. I have to do these things. I have to be there. I have to do this. I have to respond like that. And uh, breaking that cycle, um, and Agile helped me do that because I have to inspect and adapt that constantly. And I have to have the mindset of a curiosity and not judgment. You know, part of it is not judging myself. It's I'm a human being and this is a normal thing. Um, but I think from that aspect, it's kind of given me the the introspective skills to improve myself, to seek improvement. It's brought me to people like Joe, who's been a great uh, friend and mentor on responsibility. It's brought me to you know, people like Julie just yesterday. Um, it's great friends all around me. And, but this is what Agile has done, and because I have this great community of people around me, I want to be a better person. And so it's really driving that force too. So don't know if I answered it, I kind of rambled, but okay. And it's not easy. And it's not easy. It's a, I'm constantly, that, exactly, but it's made all of my relationships better, so my marriage is better, uh, my friendships are, are, are deeper and, and more you know, meaningful, um, and I think Agile is a large part of that. Hi, it's uh, Mike Vitale. I want to know what the um, one piece of advice you could give to a new Scrum Master would be. Um, 
So the, the, the piece of advice to a new Scrum Master, so let's say they just finished their, their two-day Scrum.org course, would be to go back and really think about professionalism and really think about um, a full-bodied, vibrant practice of Scrum, right? So it's very easy to go through all of the Scrum events and just check the box and have this mechanical, hey, we did our daily Scrum, we're, we're a Scrum team. And it's, the answer is no. Uh, there are Scrum values that, that Scrum Masters model. So they are the embodiment of this, this life force into the framework, right? Um, and then professionalism. From a professional standpoint, are we delivering quality? And if we're, if we're sacrificing quality, be the voice that, that turns that ship around uh, because that's, it's a, just a sabotage type thing where you know, if we're not acting in a professional way, if we're not embodying professionalism, um, I think we're missing the whole point of the framework. So the, the bonus tip would be to, um, to get Chris Fravery's book. I know it's, I'm not selling it. I'm not making cash. But now say the name of it. Um, it's the responsibility process. It's that, that book has changed the way I view being a scrum master. It is an embodiment of servant leadership. Um, but it's also forcing me to be a better person first and to work to always act powerfully out of responsibility and not getting stuck in these like lay blame, obligation, justification patterns that can just sabotage your teams. Hey, Joe. Joe Stolte, uh, so can I add one thing about yeah. the advice of Scrum Master, everything Ryan said, and to help embody that, um, and someone else said this, I don't remember who it was, but you need to be willing and know that you can do your job at any time. You need to have that much belief in your team and what you're doing that, that you need to put yourself out there, because Ryan said you need to be the voice. Right, you need to bring that to the organization because nobody else is going to. Because that is protecting the team from the system that they exist in sometimes. Well, look, if we are true servant leaders, uh, Robert Greenleaf set the bar pretty high. Yeah. It means that we are serving the highest priority needs of others above our own. I mean, that's difficult. And sometimes that will mean your job is at risk, right? I care about my teams enough that I, will, I am willing to to risk uh, the way that I feed my family because the, it is the right thing to do. That is very difficult, right? But it's something that I've done. To add on that, like Coach says, if you're not on the verge of getting fired, you're not doing enough. Now, to counterbalance that, because I won't, I won't pay your mortgage if you get bold and do something crazy, um, Ken Schwaber also says uh, a dead scrum master is a useless one. So, so pick your spots, right? Who else? James Black. I am so happy you're going to be on the show. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Make uh, it good. <laughs> no pressure. So I have a question for you yes, and anybody else who, who wants to speak up. What is the one thing you learned from either putting on this conference or from the different sessions you attended that you're going to take away and go either learn more or do something different in the future? So Ben and I were talking about this last night at dinner. Um, we have great friends, and that's that was a, a big takeaway. Like we were worried initially uh, when we put this conference together that no one would show up, and uh, a few of our friends thought, "You guys are nuts! Like why the hell wouldn't we be here?" You know, and we got Merman in from Texas. You know, Bex and, and Julie are 
in from Florida after going through a horrific uh, series of, of weeks with the hurricanes, uh, but they still came up here and they've been doing brilliant stuff up here. Um, you know, Mike over here had his foot cut off, and <laughs> he's, he's walking around in a boot, still supporting. I mean, uh, the enthusiasm that Mark Dyro here has shown has just been inspiring. You know, Joe's come around from Ohio. We've got um, former colleagues from, from past jobs who showed up to be supportive. I mean, I it, it's just that has been a big... Um, a big takeaway from from this conference is just the the huge support that we have uh, in this community. The bell tolls. Yeah, the, the bell, bell tolls. tolls. So the bell means we're we're running out of time. Anything last minute that anyone wants to get in before we say before we call it a wrap. I think we're just really grateful. I'm really grateful for you doing this. Yeah. It's been great. Ray Obadowski, to the takeaway of something I've learned so far in two days. People come before process. It's new for me. Good. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. This was fun. Thanks for listening to Agile for Humans. Let's keep the conversation going. Drop us a question on Twitter at Agile for Humans or visit agileforhumans.com. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training. Be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening and Scrum on.